Welcome to see-through panel number three, a podcast where we talk about anything related to graphic novels. Today, we're going to be talking about Ascent by Jed Mercurio and Wesley Robbins. My name is Cole Harvey. I am with Fahad Araman. Hello, everyone. And Fahad, I guess if you want to, if you want to start off, let's do this. Cool. So uh, the creators are Jed Mercurio. Jed trains as a doctor. Uh, while at medical school, he, he received extensive uh, flying training of the RAF, which uh, feeds, I think, quite a lot into the details that go into the book. He is a uh, British television writer, director, and novelist. His TV credits include the critically acclaimed uh, Cardiac Arrest, Line of Duty, and Critical. And he also wrote the BBC Netflix drama, uh, The Bodyguard. Um, Wesley Robbins is an illustrator and designer based in London. He graduated from Kingston University with a BA in illustration and animation. Ascent is his first uh, graphic novel, published in 2011 by Jonathan Cape. He's an award-winning children's book illustrator and has worked extensively with uh, BPE International Limited on their Cardigou range, uh, creating the Journey Buddy series and a set of uh, cards for Clintons as well. So not a lot of past graphic novel work. I I wasn't aware of that. No, I think he's, from what I had a look on his website, and a lot of his portfolio seems to be um, children's illustration and work with companies like uh, Clintons on kind of kiddish Art, I would say kind of art aimed at an audience that's um, younger rather than kind of the graphic novel format because this 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 book um, certainly shouldn't be read by um young children. I, I don't, don't think. think so. No. <laughs> All right. So basically, this book is about a fighter pilot during the Cold War. I think we open with him as a kid in Stalingrad, nineteen forty six. Yep. And so he's an orphan. He gets taken in to, I guess, just an orphanage around a destroyed town, the destroyed area of Stalingrad. And then, I mean, it it progresses from there. That's like the only, the thing that amazed me is that's the only really in-depth look at the main character. You don't get a lot of his, um, you don't have a lot to connect with. I don't know if that's coming across right. He's definitely a complex character, but he's not, you don't know him personally, super personally. Yes, I think that, so that's actually quite interesting you said that because I was reading through some of the reviews of, so this is an adaptation of a novel um, written by uh, David Mercurio. And one of the criticisms of the novel was that the character, there wasn't a lot of meat there. The the novel, I haven't read the novel, but some of the criticisms around it is around, that a lot of it's around the technical description of what, uh, they call him Ivan the Terrible um, mm-hmm. and to do to survive later on in, in the mission. Um, I think a lot of it, I think there is a, a quite a strong character there and it's kind of told a lot through his actions Yes. rather than the backstories. Um, Ivan, what is the, the character's actual name? Yevgeny? Yes. Yevgeny Yeremin? That's a, that's a big yes. try. That's not, yes. can't be right, but I'm trying. Yeah, that, yes, I think, I, think yeah, that, I would agree yeah. with you there. Um, I don't think I would agree that he's not a character you can connect with. Like, I think he's definitely a well-rounded character, but it's not in the typical way where you're getting a lot of his dialogue, his inner thoughts. His uh, yes. He's got one goal through, I think, pretty much the whole book. And, and that's just to, for people to know his name. And uh, yes. he's not... I wouldn't say he's terribly complex, but he's definitely compelling. He's very compelling. He's he's bloody-minded and stubborn to the point of self-destruction. And That's he's not... One of, sorry, go on. You know, you, know you, uh, you go ahead. Like The whole time I was reading it, I was never like, this guy's a bad guy. But then after I was like, wait, that guy was a really bad guy. Like He did a lot of killing. <laughs> 
did a lot <laughs> of killing and he didn't really that was never what he was thinking about like if he if he was killing people i mean i guess that's a little disconnected because you're in a plane but he was never like i just killed a guy he was like my numbers are up basically yes i haven't actually thought about it like that actually that's so, quite an yeah. interesting point yeah I was starting um, so, to think he was a villain almost, but and he's not. He's not a villain. Yes, yeah, so he's um, raised in the aftermath of, of World War Two. You know, Russia's basically torn to, to pieces, and one of the most haunting images in in the entire book comes kind of quite early, where he's being raised in an, an orphanage, and in order to kind of get into the the space camp, he basically blinds another child, and it's kind of coming out this place of. Um, desperation the need to survive and that kind of runs through his character i think and demonstrated repeatedly that he's going to do whatever he feels that he has to to kind of achieve the goals that he has he set himself to mm-hmm. i mean that kid was a dick right <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean that kid good kid was a dick but you know it's pretty bad yeah yes a level of kind of vicious i mean he, he had to do what he had to do to kind of get out of that um orphanage really so yeah it was. I, I was just like, "Oh man, that looks." You know, you see, you know, certain images um stay with you, and I just, I can't stop thinking about kind of him just jamming his thumb inside God. that poor child's eye. It was just like, "Oh." And the art's not terribly realistic, but you can feel that it is. Yeah, it is. His eye just explodes. It looks like I wasn't even. I thought maybe the kid would be dead because first he hits him in the back of the head with a rock. Yes, and then he just pops his eye, and I was like, "Oh my God!" These are like, <laughs> I assume like twelve year olds or something. I, I thought they're slightly younger than that. Maybe yeah, maybe twelve, eleven, something like that. Yeah, it was. Um, I guess there's no way to know. I'm looking for evidence of that, but I don't see much. Yeah, I don't think they they say what. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's you know, it's twelve thirteen. Either way, too young to be to be doing that. Yeah. So then he goes. Then we skip forward to Korea, and he is enlisting as a fighter pilot. Um, yes. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but the Soviet Air Force wasn't supposed to be in Korea, so they were flying without flags. Basically, they're flying without any branding to let people know that they're Soviets. Yeah, I mean, I did study the Korean War at school. I can't, not much of it comes to mind. I do know that it was one of those proxy wars where the you know the Soviets were basically funneling lots of arms and weapons and things like that to uh, to the North Koreans. Yeah, I think it was kind of one of those things. It's kind of I want to say it's analogous, sort of analogous to the the situation in Syria, where obviously the Syria or many of these other wars around the world, where kind of like the you know the Russians kind of providing weapons and munitions to force, but they actually we're not actually there. We're not providing soldiers. We're just providing you know weapons and expertise and other things to um to help the help our ally. But yeah, they they you know. He's there, but he's not really recognized as being there, which is, I think, a theme that runs all the way through the book as well. I think that's the start of where he wants glory because he knows he's not going to get any for this, but he, he just feels like he earns it. Yes. That's kind of his main main goal through the whole thing is to have his name known by his country or by the world, yes. I guess. Yeah, and there's kind of an ultra-competitive edge to him as well in terms of not only does he want the world to know, but he has to be better, that one better than anyone else near him. And if it's not enough for him to be... I mean, he's 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 done brilliant. He's got, got, got his way out of um, that terrible situation he was in growing up. He's in Korea. He's in this uh, Air Force squadron. That for most people would be kind of like enough, but he's in a drive is kind of like not not only am I here, but I have to be the um the best uh ace in my unit as well. 
Yeah, and then eventually he wants to be the best like in the country. Like he's yeah. he's basically like a competitive sport. He's keeping track of who's on top globally and who's the most famous fighter pilot. And you really do get the feeling that he gets he's quite upset. I don't know who's narrating the book, whether it's him or whether it's maybe just, you know, a third person, but um you do get the idea that, you know, Ivan the Terrible, that Ivagani is really annoyed by the fact that the American fighter races are getting their names in newspapers and they're really rich. Well, not rich, but they're kind of famous and, you know, he's, you know, him and his friends are kind of coming out here and getting twice as many um, kills, but no one knows their names and no one's ever going to know their names because they're not supposed yeah. to be there. That's kind of just like wrong place, wrong time. Like in, if he would have been born American, he would have been like the biggest fighter pilot of all time, right? But because, yes. because he had, he has these circumstances, I think that probably just like makes him double down on his goals. Just all, all double my, my kill count basically. Yes. And in Korea, yeah. we basically just get, uh, he gets more and more kills. He gets the respect of his peers. Uh, he falls in, I don't know if he falls in love. That's another thing. There's a, there's a widow at his military base who eventually he will go on to marry. And yes. um, I always thought, you know, that was just like, like a woman he would spend time with when he wasn't in the plane. I don't, I didn't really feel anything like, like, like human love in that relationship, especially towards the end. We'll get there. But um, I don't think that was even one of his top priorities at any point, even after they have a family, which I think yeah, is interesting. Yeah, not a lot of, I mean, there are a couple of, um, romantic moments, but there are a couple of moments in the book where they do kind of build these hints of a, a deeper relationship. But there's not kind of throughout the book. It's the story of basically him. Other characters don't tend to matter that much, and he doesn't. You know, if there's a weakness to the book, you don't really get an insight into kind of um, his personal relationships with 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 other people. It's kind of I want to say surface level, but it's kind of almost surface level. I feel as if it's on purpose, though. I don't think he was like. He accidentally just like didn't add that stuff in. I think yes. it is a purposeful lack of it just to show that his priorities lie elsewhere. Yes, yes, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. So eventually in Korea, he basically, what basically ends up happening is he chases a, I believe it was an American plane across um, the, basically across a border he wasn't supposed to cross and that essentially anything past that point, it would be considered a war crime. And he yes. crashes with a uh, hammer and sickle painted on his plane. And that just seals the deal. And he is essentially a war criminal now. I believe that's how it happens. Yes, I think the other, as well as when the incident happens, is kind of like on the last day of the war. He's, his drive is to go out there and kind of get one last kill, I think. And he's so desperate to do that, that he kind of ignores orders, I think, as well. And... Um, goes beyond what what he's he's kind of been um abducted so i think that also the war criminal thing and the fact that it's the last day of the war and the fact that he's ignored orders i think is the um is much of the reason of what happens to him next you're right i had not thought about it. i forgot the detail that it was just about over i think that's yeah. also the part where he's chasing that last plane that you realize like he would probably die just to get this last kill because they go they're in like a like a really intense dog fight they're circling around yes. each other basically until one of them is getting low on fuel and he ends up on top. And uh, I'm pretty sure he just accepted he would die for it. And he does. Yes. He almost does. He ends up falling into a, I don't know if it's a, a sea or a lake. I think it's probably a sea, but yeah. Um, yeah and, and he's essentially would have died, I assume, if no one would have found it. But yeah, that was, that was, a, that's where you see his commitment to his kill count, really. Yeah, his commitment to his kill count. Can we talk about kind of like the dogfights in the um, 
as depicted in, in the art because I really enjoyed the way they're kind of, it's not an easy thing to do is to kind of depict planes flying and kind of like fighting, fighting each other. It can be quite a tricky thing to do. And I think the, the art, the artist has done an exceptional job of kind of like hitting the the action. It's almost always really clear what's going on, kind of, and you, you get a real visceral um, kind of like the, the art's kind of uh, impactful and kind of you know when you know when a shot lands or when a plane's going down and oh yeah, it looks like all that, all that sort. Of it has meaning, yeah. It's it's very nice. I love the the layouts, the panel layouts during the dogfights because yes. all the borders yes. get kind of slanted. Everything gets kind of like you kind of shove the panels together onto the page because it's all so fast and it reads fast. It yes. reads quickly, but yeah, the art is, yeah, it's insane. And the way he does smoke, I loved the way he did smoke. Like, yeah, the trailing yeah, paint. The and yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. The art through the whole thing was amazing, but particularly, I think my favorite part, excluding the last chapter, is the Korea chapter just because the dogfights are so interesting to, to look at. Yeah. The, the, the dogfights are, are really well shown. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of like, the art is sort of cartoonish, but the the airplanes, there's lots of detail on them, and they look fairly realistic. So there's that nice bit of um, contrast there as well. I thought. Yeah, I definitely agree. His almost everything except for the figures are super highly detailed. Like even his clothes, like yeah. his goggles, you can see the stitching. Yes. And his goggles a lot of the time, but you can't see like. But he'll have like he'll have five lines on his face, but his goggles will have like a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the coloring does a lot of heavy lifting and kind of bringing. Um, Definition to the character. Definitely. I think basically. he honestly, yeah. he, he's either equal or he's a better colorist than he is at the line art. I love the colors in this. They're very, they're yes. very expressive. They're, they take a lot of like tone shifts. Like that's, uh, there's a scene near the end of the Korea chapter where lightning flashes and it's him in the dark and then him, his face lit up very bright and then him in the dark again. And I thought that worked really well. I hadn't seen a lot of stuff done yeah. that, like done like that in comics. Yeah, he's um, yeah, it's it's really it's an interesting art style. I can't compare it to anything. Kind of makes it interesting. No, um, I can't think of many artists that would kind of use this this sort of style. Really, it's not um, it's almost kind of his yeah. own. It is. I don't think it's art that you necessarily would see in, a, in an adult's graphic novel. It is. You can kind of tell that he's a children's illustrator. Yeah, you know, especially when he's kind of draw the um draw the faces. Yeah, it's very true. I hadn't thought about that, but it is um, it's very distinct. I'll say that. Wesley Robbins has a, has yeah. something that I have not seen in his art before. Yeah. So after he does the Korea thing, I'll just keep trucking because each individual chapter kind of has its own themes and style. Yeah. Maybe I was wrong. The art in this chapter is so good too. I don't know exactly where this is happening. So he gets court-martialed and is sent to like the Arctic Circle, high above the Arctic Circle. Yes. So it's constantly freezing and snowing and he's basically just there to be there. He's He has to fly and do some tasks, but essentially he's just there. There as a prisoner yes. for his plans to live there till he dies and most people die pretty quickly from the cold and such but he refuses to die <clears throat> and his the widow moves up there with him they have uh two kids i believe and the whole time he's up there he's just he's paying attention to the news about these fighter pilots and then everyone's attention shifts to the space race to to be the first country to land on the moon and so his attention shifts there too after what what kind of plane is it that he he gets in a dogfight up in the arctic circle i think he's still flying a mig isn't he i believe so I think they're in. He's basically in the same plane. Yeah, it's the same sort of plane. And um, while he's out in the kind of arc circle, 
these, you know, there's there's a really kind of a heartbreaking scene of him coming, walking in from the cold, and he's just looking at the hovel that he's living in, and you can just kind of tell that he's almost dead inside. Yeah. He's just looking at his family, and he's just like, oh, man. God, that was well, depressing. What is this? Yeah, and kind of. He has like, he has a drink at the bar, goes home in the snow, and just, oh, that was. Yeah, kind of. He literally falls into a snowbank, and his wife comes, sees him through the window, and he, he says, let me die. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because he wants to be out there um, shooting down American warplanes, um, and, you know, not kind of um, buck up here. Um, yeah, very yeah. true. I don't have a lot to say about this chapter, but besides like the story, but I mean, it's kind of just more of the same. It's very compelling, but um, not my favorite chapter. So, do you have anything that stood out to you? Kind of, kind of like the key incident in the chapter is where he kind of he undertakes this um, daring act of. So he's always some. It's kind of in this chapter which shows that not enough for him to kind of just do the the minimum. He has to kind of take extra risks so they him and his um quadrant take on a plane and they go way too far out of range and mm-hmm. manages to shoot the plane down but his um his squadron mate is out of fuel instead of just letting the guy drop into the ocean he kind of carries him on the and I, i'm not too sure how realistic that is you know him kind of using his plane to dump another plane all the way back till they're able to to refuel but um i'm assuming since jed's got a background in um aviation that he wouldn't have um just pulled that out of his rear end especially considering um some of his other writing which is very research heavy and kind of um focuses a lot on procedures and and details but that's you know the other things that he could have just flown home he didn't have to try and rescue his mates that kind of also comes back into why he selected for the, for the mission later on yeah I actually that was a pretty eye-opening scene because I wasn't sure how much he cared like obviously he's not he has a heart I wasn't sure if he was willing to risk his own life to save that guy or not and it, obviously he was it was very eye-opening for the character and I did wonder about that part where he pushed the plane but the rest of it had been so consistently realistic that I yes. was like well must it must be a thing because he hasn't messed up anything. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming that as well so um, Jed, Jed Makura his uh, medical dramas kind of you know what he first got his break in EB with were so well regarded because they they actually focused on the realistic procedural details of what happens in um, an A and E room, what happens in an operating theatre, and Line of Duty, for example, is one of the best police procedurals out there at the moment. And the reason why that's so well regarded is why he does the interview scenes, and he does the interview scenes the way a normal inter- police interview in the UK is conducted. So it's not like something out of SVU where people are like banging their hands on the table and. And we're going to be doing this to you. It's all kind of very calm. And it's just the two, you know, the, the interviewer trying to set a trap for the person that they're, they're interviewing. And so that's why I'm assuming that one bit where he's carrying the other plane must be based in reality because I can't imagine him making something like that up. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have to think so. I'm not as familiar with uh, Mercurio's other work, but uh, from what you're saying, it sounds like the guy knows what he's talking about pretty yes. much no matter what yeah. he's talking about. Yeah, he does a lot of research. There's a lot of research. And there's nothing else in here to make me think otherwise. He yeah. is. It was actually weird how compelling the, uh, like, I was flipping through this thing like crazy, like too fast, honestly. Yeah. And um, the, the, like, the jargon, all the stuff I didn't know uh, was, it kind of just like slid right by me until I learned it. Because yes. it would, there'd be a lot of stuff like, I didn't know the names of the planes. They had a certain name for their pilots. There was a bunch of stuff. They kept saying the guns were black. It took me till like the second or third time to realize oh, that means they just were in a dogfight. But obviously, that one seemed obvious. But he, he makes you kind of learn these terms for whatever it is he's talking about, which is nice. Mm, 
you just think, oh, what's he referring to? But then kind of, it's kind of, you learn through the context in which he's using and what, what um, certain words mean. That is a bit of an issue later on in, in the book where he's kind of in the spacecraft. He's referring to kind of like lots of different pieces of equipment. He just, I had to Google a couple of them because I thought, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, because it wasn't kind of like, you know, the free little from an acronyms he was he was using one um one clear kind of equipment that he was actually using yeah it did get a pretty it got pretty complicated towards the end there um so after i guess the arctic circle he gets well towards the end of that he gets because he rescued his teammate there and blew up that other plane he is selected to i guess be the first man on the moon and beat the apollo 11 mission they want to beat it um you know for it was a space race they were just they were just trying to uh, get there first and this is more of a i don't want to say half fast but it is not the apollo mission it's one man I want. I can't recall the exact specifics as to why it's just him. Um, all the way through the book, they make reference to uh, American pilots, and they make reference back that Armstrong and the other astronauts that kind of made it into space were also in in Korean War. And I think the reason why he was selected to go up there by himself because the Russians kind of knew that the mission was hopeless. So. Um, I think they had to. I think they had to lose. Uh, oh yeah, seventy kilos. Yeah, seventy kilos. So that means they couldn't have a co-pilot there. They just kind of well, no. There's no person alive that can actually do all the things that are required by themselves. And if we make it a public display and it fails, then it's going to be a big egg on our face. But they just you know send one person up there to kind of see what happens. So yet again, he's going to do something incredibly dangerous and brave and get absolutely no credit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Story of his life. And there's the scene, this is the last scene with his family. Um, and he he gets the news that uh, he's been selected to be this solo, on this solo mission. And it's very, so the whole time, the dialogue in this is sparse, I'd yeah. say for the most of it. But between his wife and him, it's what's the matter and they've got a mission for me. And then he's gone. Yes. And then uh, I think he kisses his kids goodnight. And yeah, he just leaves. That, that stood out to me because, uh, I mean, you obviously knew his priorities before, but now you can really tell, even with this established family and i guess it's not a great life but it's a life he just goes straight for the solo mission to the moon yes. and that kind of that was interesting he's desperate to desperate for glory desperate to get out of um you know the arctic circle wherever it, wherever it is he's based so you know he he, he probably knows it's um suicide mission but yeah. he has to try you know he's he's got to he's got to try he can't stay there definitely he I think it's like he knows he's going to this is his last shot at this like this is his last shot at what he really wants which is to have his name known basically. Yes. Which so this uh the sorry to cut across you said so the the story kind of it's a kind of posits an alternate history or secret history where a Russian person was the, the first person on the moon um but I think like a week or so over it was and um you know it can kind of die for yourself where you think his mission is successful. <laughs> Or not, but um, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. Yeah, it's a very open ending. I think I was surprised how much this last chapter. It's called "The Earth and the Moon," uh, and it starts in 1969. Which, for anyone that's following this alternate history, I thought it was it was very long. Uh, it took uh, probably a quarter of the book. About it's the longest chapter, I think, maybe besides Korea. And yes, sir. Hmm? 
I think um, in the original novel, this base bit was most of the book, from what I understand. And then like the bits in Korea and the Arctic Circle were intercut with his actual fight for survival in outer space. I'd be interested in oh, reading yeah. a bit of the book because... From my understanding, Jed Mercurio is the one who actually adapted this. Like he had adapted his own book yeah. into this dialogue. So, um, so he chose to make it this sparse. So I was, I haven't yes. looked, but the book, I can't imagine the book is too terribly wordy. And if it is, after this, it would seem um, like a waste of words because this, this okay, does so a lot with nothing. One of the the reasons for that is that apparently in the novel, a lot of it is technical descriptions of what he's doing in the spacecraft. Mm. So um, it's kind of like I am now going to be pressing this button here to do the calculation to find out where I am going oh no I have to do this other thing kind of um, now maybe not in the tone of voice I just said but kind of it is yeah. a lot of um, technical <laughs> technical descriptions apparently it's in the Guardian's list of um, 1000 books you need to read before you die oh, wow. um, so it must be um, can't be that bad a novel especially it's um, been kind of adapted into a graphic novel as well there must be kind of sufficient demand to see the, the story told in multiple formats yeah I think I think it'd be a, probably a pretty engaging book if this has anything to say. Yeah. Plus, in this, in this, you can kind of show, don't tell. But <clears throat> on the on a written on a prose page, maybe that kind of that kind of descri- long descriptive stuff makes it a little bit more tense. You know, you can yes. you can feel that he's out there, one man alone. But in this, obviously, you just you can see that on the page. So yeah. that kind of stuff doesn't need to happen. So essentially, he goes on this mission. He basically has to adjust a bit and realizes uh, all of his controls go out, first off. He's got not a lot of power, and I don't think a lot of air. And it's either he can turn around now and kind of like go around the moon and come back home, or he can go to the moon, but he will not be able to leave and he will die on the moon. Yes. And no one's going to know he was there. Yes. So this is kind of, and he decides, spoiler alert, to, uh, he decides to walk on the moon. And that's the first time in the whole book where he doesn't really care about other people knowing, right? Yeah. Because that, cause that so, was I, a big change. Yeah, yeah. a lot of, so there's there's one line in the book, I'm just, I've got it open now, where it says, but the destiny of Ivan the Terrible must be a mission beyond the ambition of all other men. He, he himself will know that I was the first person and, you know, at some point in the future, they're going to discover my body and they're going to realize that, I, uh, you know, I was the first man from the moon. doesn't matter if no one else knows about it now. Mm-hmm. I will know that I did it. I will know I did it. I proved it to myself. You know, throughout the the entire thing, after the after his power goes out, and he loses water and he loses energy. He's got no computers. He's having to do all the calculations by hand. By hand, he gets like I think he gets like a cut in his spacesuit as well. So everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And he's just you know for a lot. Well, that was me in his situation. I'd be broken and crying down, just like waiting for death. But he's just kind of so bloody minded, so stubborn that he's gonna push on ahead with the mission. And he's got an opportunity to go home and be with his family and. And, you know, have a life yeah. with them, but that's not what he wants. He wants he wants glory. Yeah, that's pretty much all. He'd rather have glory in death than, I guess, go home without it, which is yes. very interesting. And yes. it's fun that this is the kind of this is the kind of alternate history that could be formatted in a way where it's like, oh no, this happened. We just obviously would never have known. I like that because yeah. it doesn't directly change like the whole future. Like this, by like this could have happened. I mean, obviously we would have found the body or something, but yeah, can... it's not the kind of history where like you go back and kill Hitler and everything's different. It's like very subtle. Yes, uh, I thought it was very, 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 very good. It was so. Yeah. Tense I mean, at the end, though. Yeah, 
it really was kind of each little um i was reading each kind of um caption box again okay now, now what terrible like that bit where he has to kind of drink his own urine stuff yeah, just, that was, oh. that in, yeah in 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 the space station um uh, the international space station apparently there are two different water supplies because the russians actually won't drink their own urine whereas kind of the the astronauts cosmonauts from the other nations will drink their own kind of um, recycled urine. Um, so that's kind of, you know, shows kind of maybe how desperate he was to kind of get some sustenance that is. Right after that, he's um, he cries a little bit and then he yeah. he drinks the tears before they freeze on his face. Yeah, oh, mate, what a poetic image that is, yeah. kind of like. Yeah, and all these panels, all the panels are there. The layouts get more and more dense. Like yes. he's filling the page with tiny panels. I think this page has like sixteen panels on it. Yeah, everything is happening all at once, and it kind of it overwhelms you like it should, like it's overwhelming him. Um, but it's also very scenic. Like when they do, when the panels do enlarge and you get room to breathe, it's very, uh, it's very beautiful, and it looks way different than the rest of the book. Yeah, the use of black is is stark. It is very easy to tell that this is in a completely different uh, setting, which it should be. It should be alien. Yes, I agree. So I've watched a few sci-fi films recently, kind of completely unrelated to this. There's a, a film I, I watched called um, Ad Astra. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've not, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, so he's kind of it's a similar sort of use of like um, base imagery to kind of how small and insignificant one man be in the universe and you know really his his actions here don't matter that much but for him they're important and that's kind of one of the strong themes in the book is he's going to do what's important for him even if it's utterly self-destructive it doesn't seem like any outside no one he gets told to do sometimes but the majority of the time he's just kind of doing what's best for him um, except for being imprisoned obviously but like yeah. there's not a lot of outside influence on his he doesn't let anyone change his mind basically yeah I would agree with that he's imprisoned for I assume that would have been his kids were like older like close to 10 years I, don't, I didn't I didn't count I think he's been there for a while yeah and he, the whole time uh, he's just thinking about what he was thinking about when he was in the plane he just wants glory yeah. and the moment he gets the chance he jumps at it um, he's got a one track mind I think yes and because of that you're never really aware how capable he is like at the end he's like doing these calculations on by hand and i was like i never knew he could do that because all he ever wants to do is kill people yeah well you know kind of one of the things you do have to be if you're a fighter jet pilot is have really good math skills for some reason um yeah kind of uh i do know that but yeah he's um yeah he's making all these calculations and you know without any computers or anything it's yeah that reminds kind me of, of uh yeah go ahead no i'll find it you go ahead i need to find a page i just wanted to kind of uh take it back to what you're saying kind of how the the artist uses the panels to kind of ramp up the attention speed everything along especially in some of the um space sections or the the, the fighter pilot stations but then he he'll break it down again into much larger panels to kind of um over slow the story it's a very interestingly expertly paced book in that regard i would definitely agree i when i first was getting into it um i was confused by the pace in during the first chapter and stuff because i had a very rough idea of what it was going to be fully about and i was like we're spending a lot of time in this korean war i thought we we're going to go to the moon or something but by the end i was like wow that was both incredibly quick and i feel like i got that guy's whole life but that also kind of made me sad because i was like if that was that guy's whole life he didn't do a lot <laughs> i mean he did a lot yeah but it was not a lot of eventful stuff, which I think might kind of be part of it. Like it wasn't the life, you know, the average person would dream of, but it was yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting you say that because like he was the top what do you call it, fighter pilot in career. You know, he rescued his um, teammate in um, in in the Arctic, and apparently, you know, he was the first man on the moon as well. But you do feel kind of like this is a man whose life was unfulfilled potential, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Kind of like if, yeah, if he hadn't been sent to the Arctic Circle, he could have done like so much more. And uh, um, especially to the outside world, yes, they don't even think he did anything because they don't know about any of this stuff. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The line I was looking for before is you mentioned he was doing the calculations and you said it something about a pen. And there's a line in here about how the Russians could possibly have kept up with the the American space program. And one guy says, They spent millions of dollars designing a pen that could work in space. What did we do? And the guy said we use pencils. That was one of my favorite lines of that. Yeah. They're just working with what they got. They're not getting fancy. Yeah, it's kind of which is pretty much the whole the whole book is like we're just gonna do what we can do. With what we've got. Yeah. Yeah. You know, looking through the art. So the did the, the book kind of end with him stepping out onto the surface of the moon and him making taking his don't actually even get to see him his first steps on the moon there's no kind of like triumphant moment of him kind of standing on the surface of the moon you just see his um his foot stepping down from the lunar module then kind of then the next last couple of pages are bribing what happens to his family and kind of you know his wife and his children being told you can never mention your father's name again then in time the children saying in time the children forgot their father occasionally they would uh recall a ghost gaze up on the moon not understanding why and it's just kind of like he's you know been the one thing that he didn't want to happen is actually happened yeah. he wanted that recognition that glory and that now no one knows he kind of basically ever existed yeah oh so, yeah it's kind of i can't tell if it's partly triumphant the end or if it's just sad Part of me feels like it was triumphant for him, but as the reader, we might be the only ones that feel that way. It's triumphant for him. His, if we actually look happened so you know, the Russian nation didn't really lose out on anything because he's aware of the mission. He kind of got to do what he wanted, which was be something extraordinary. Um, and his family are out of that hellhole in the Arctic Circle. The, it's sad because he's not getting the recognition that he deserved, and it, it does feel like. You know, he could have achieved a lot more of what he had. I mean, you just get the feeling there's always that cons- comparison going through the book of what he's what he's done compared to guys like um, you know, the, the fighter pilots that they mentioned, the American fighter pilots. So if you just think if this guy was born in the United States, what could he have done? Oh yeah, really? Yeah, it's just kind of um, almost a damn. Or just in better anywhere in better circumstances. Yes, basically. Kind of if he wasn't forced to almost kill that kid when he was like ten. Yeah. What could he have done? You know, just that he, few of us, you know, has not nearly killed child when they were uh, eleven years old. It's um, we were, exactly. <laughs> it's um, is kind of a re- almost a damning indictment of the the Soviet system in a lot of ways. Who are kind of forcing some of their best people into these horrendous situations. Since we went through the whole plot, do you have any like outstanding themes? Because I mean, obviously, we talked about a bunch of different ideas, but at the end of this, did you did you leave with any certain feeling towards it? Like, what do you think it was about? Because I I was struggling for a bit. I think I might have a little grasp on it now, but I'm not sure. I think it's I wouldn't say it's a character study because you don't really, like you said, you don't actually get to understand much of his inner working. A lot of what we learn about him is through the through his actions, mm-hmm. which is you know show don't tell. But I think the strongest themes is you know in order to kind of risk to achieve great things, you have to be really stubborn and bloody minded and um, not take 
no for an answer, even if that is ultimately self-destructive. I think that is um, one of the really strongest themes running through the, the book because you might try your best, you might have all the skills to do it, but, you know, it all might fail or something like that. Um, you know, one of the strong things running through the book. I mean, I don't know. What what, what did you think? Um, I kind of had a similar thing. I, I think I thought about it differently, but when hearing you say it, it sounds similar. I thought it was kind of about a sense of duty, but in the opposite of what you'd expect from a more military thing, like it's a duty to oneself yes. um, to do what they want to do. Because he's a soldier essentially the whole time but he never feels like a soldier. Like you're not getting panels of him being yelled at by commanding officers. He still is doing things to accomplish his own goal. Yeah, I think so I think that's it, really a true, sense of yeah. duty to oneself. Yes, yeah, so, But also there's something I'm missing. I just feel like there's there's some big thematic message screaming at me that I'm not getting yet. I might have to reread it. Yeah, um, I think what you said there is really true because earlier on in the Korean sections, you see there's quite a few scenes where the pilots, they come back from a successful mission and they're in a, in a pub or a bar on the base and you can see all the rest of his squad um, are kind of laughing and he's always a little bit apart from that it's kind of like you know how, how your own desires can also um, leave you isolated as well I don't think he ever really gave himself over to his family the only thing that he really felt free in is when, when he was in the air or bang out to try and achieve his own goals so yeah there is I know what you mean there's something that I can't quite put my on either in terms of what was this book actually about <laughs> yeah yeah, I feel like there's a lot to it. I think it's a pretty personal tale too, because and for me, it was about reading about a guy that was very, very different from me. So it was it was kind of difficult, but that made it even more enjoyable. I think. Yeah, I'd um I'd agree with that. Well, um, anything else you'd like to add? I think we covered a lot here. Yeah, we covered a lot. Um, well, that my one kind of this is kind of a jokey thing to say, but the, my my one hope is that um any range of people reading this book might not add to the already ridiculous moon landing conspiracies um, sort of. <laughs> oh, we, never, we never landed there as the you know the Russians got there first, but yeah, it's, oh, um, that's the that's the um the the only thing I'd um add, and that's just that'd be a lot cooler than just no one got there at all, which is like the main conspiracy. I right? mean, it's just ridiculous conspiracy theories. Do you, I mean, if the Americans never got there, don't you think the first people to call them out on it would have been would the have Russians? Russians? Would have been the Russians? Yeah, would have been, I mean, you're bullshitting, man. You've got satellites up there, dude. We can tell if you've landed on there. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just um. Dumb, 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 dumb. Oh, man. I want to read books about conspiracies now. Maybe we'll do yes. I do love a good alternate history book, so this was really, really cool. Yeah. Very unique. I can't think of anything on my shelf that looks or reads like it at all. Neither can I actually, no. Just because I've also, it's one of the only adaptations I have where the actual novelist adapted it himself, which is really cool, I think. Yeah, that's the other quick point I wanted to raise. A lot of the graphic novel adaptations that I've read have been not that good I don't think I think the only adaptation that I think is kind of that I've read recently that's kind of been on this level is Speak um, and again that was adapted by the author a lot of graphic I'm sp- thinking specifically of like the, the Discworld ones which weren't great adaptations yeah, and you just yeah. get kind of hokey ones that kind of cash grabs um, but this was really yeah. well done yeah it was really well done I think the key to adaptations is you shouldn't adapt it if there's nothing to say in that new medium yes like this this would have been very different as a book and I think there was probably some you could do something different with the medium but in the case of a lot of adaptations you might as well just stick with the original material i think yeah i think that's very true 
Very true. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll settle on something for next time and then uh, yeah. hopefully we can do that here soon. Yeah, that sounds um, good to me, man. If you're still listening, guys, do check out um, Line of Duty. It is one of the best TV shows. Um, police, police procedurals you know, that's currently being made. Especially check out the... I haven't, I haven't checked yeah, it out. Check it out. It's, it's really, really good. Really thrilling. Really thrilling. You need to try that. I, yeah. I honestly hadn't even... I don't think I'd even heard of it before this. It's kind of a really... I think it's one of those shows that's really big in the UK, but nowhere else. I don't think it traveled a lot for whatever reason. Interesting, because we get a lot... You guys make the best shows over there, and we get a lot of it, but no one talks about that. Yeah, Line of Duty, if you can find it. It should be on like BBC America. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you very much for head for your time. It's been really fun. Thank you, dude. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay home. Stay safe, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.